0: What do you do when despite your best efforts, your client isn't successful? Hi, welcome to another conversation here on Business Mindset Mastery. I'm your host, Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and leadership expert. I work with business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. You can always find me over at choosetohaveitall.com. And today we're talking about a problem that I think at any point in time, most service providers or course content creators or digital, um, you know, online product providers are going to find themselves in. I also think it's really common for brick and mortar service providers to experience the same phenomenon of you putting out your best work with your best intent, giving the best effort, and no matter what you do, your client isn't successful. I think a lot of people, especially new and newly established business owners, the instinct there is to take the finger that they're pointing at the client to turn it around and point it at themselves to say, what did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? What's the step that I missed? What should I have done differently? And then those thoughts and feelings, because they're fueled by guilt and shame, we take the energy because remember, we just talked about this yesterday, we take the energy that those feelings create that disappointment, that fear, that discouragement, and we just sort of use it to eat and gnaw at ourselves and we make us the problem. Because if we can make ourselves the problem when someone else isn't successful, then we feel like we have control over the solution. If we can say, oh, I just should have added a different module to that course. I should have extended my working hours. I should have responded to that email with more depth. I should have answered that question with more detail. The coulda, shoulda, wouldas we start to focus on and put, and we ping it on ourselves, right? Because then we tell ourselves a story that we can control the outcome. The next thing that often happens is we take that shame and we start to try to rescue our client. We try to over deliver and offer that client more support, more time, more attention in order to get their results. And sometimes that ends up bordering on doing the work for them. I fell into this trap so often as a brick and mortar private practice therapy owner where I would see my clients just not moving, not taking action, not doing things. And I would say to myself like, what could I have done or said differently to make this person move from point A to point B faster in the past week? What should I have said instead? What did I miss the mark? Was I not empathic enough? Was I too empathic? Like where did I go wrong? And then that client would come to me yeah. Okay. And because I felt like I hadn't done a good enough job, I would then be rescuing the client. So for example, I was talking to um, a young client who had just graduated college at one point in time and she was so nervous about the job interview and she had such low self-esteem about um, putting herself out there, interviewing for jobs and we had talked about it and we had role-played job interview questions and we, I, you know, I had sort of guided her through different ways thi- ways of breathing through interviews, how to do this, how to do that. And I had offered all of these solutions, all of these ideas, and she still just couldn't couldn't function. She was you know, performing, you know, she wasn't performing to the level that she wanted to in these job interviews. She was waking up with stomach cramps and turning her not, you know, her stomach into knots and unable to eat and starting her day so awful. And I was talking about this with her week after week after week and there was no relief. And so suddenly I started to doubt my confidence as a therapist. Maybe, you know, like, should I have been offering medication? Should I have been doing this? Should I have been doing that? And I got myself good and stuck in that story to the point where when she wanted to respond to um, a job inquiry and she didn't know how to write the cover letter, I volunteered to write the cover letter for her because I thought if I just did that for her, open the door, give her a sense of confidence that something was really written well, she would get into the door. And having no idea, and as soon as I did that for her, as soon as I hit send on that, suddenly my conscience kicked in about my poor boundaries, about the idea that like you can't just give people fish, you have to teach them how to fish on how that was not my best effort, that was not a good day at work for me, I had betrayed myself, and my values because I try to do her job for her, because I didn't like the way her lack of success or the pace at which it seemed wasn't quick enough or good enough or fast enough. I then tried to skip over her process, over her journey, and get her to the finish line faster. It's disrespectful, incredibly unprofessional, and in hindsight, 2020, it was probably also a sign of my burnout that I couldn't sit in it with my clients anymore. So I was trying. Trying to push for a new ending, and I was trying to change the trajectory of, um, you know, her learning process completely. You know, just not my best work and something that I continue to be embarrassed about to the present day. But that instinct, that um, desire to fix, to save, to rescue, I have a feeling that's not really unfamiliar to many of the service providers and business owners who are listening to me today. That at one point in time, the instinct, you may have been better at curbing it and controlling it than I was, but the instinct to rescue, the instinct, instinct to over-deliver, to spend an extra 20 minutes on the phone answering a question, to extend business hours to accommodate somebody who's particularly stressed, to turn ourselves into pretzels for our clients because we want them to do well at the root of that isn't that we just want people to be successful. Obviously, most of us go into business because we want to help. We want to relieve a pain point. We want to offer value and be of service. Not everybody does. um, And that's okay. There's a lot of businesses that have different value-based, you know, approaches and different perspectives coming out of it. So I know that that's not universal. And I think that's totally okay. But a lot of us, because we're in that helping profession, or with that helping perspective, we try to manage our own disappointed feelings by saving the situation and changing the ending. But at the end of the day, what we have to recognize is that sometimes our clients, first of all, are gonna work at a different pace. Sometimes our clients, they're not gonna vibe with us, that the way we're teaching something, the way we're explaining something isn't the like what they need to hear the way they need to hear it. And that's not particularly our fault. I I can't tell you how many times I would spend, like, telling people in therapy, like, this is what you need to do. Look at it this way. And I would just explain it and explain it ad nauseum. And then somebody in their private life would say the same damn thing with slightly different verbiage. And suddenly they'd come in and having this aha moment. And I'd be like, I've been trying to tell you this for months. We can't control that. And when we try to control the outcome because we feel bad or doubtful about our service, when we're trying to, you know, in a lot of instances with the clients that I see and I talk to about this, they're trying so hard to control the narrative. They don't want the bad outcome to get out. They don't want somebody to say, hey, I hired Heather Gray, I invested in her for X amount of time, for X amount of dollars, and I don't feel any better. So because we are like trying to avoid that outcome, Sometimes, you know, saving the public face and the public perception of us, we overcompensate and we overdeliver. And this idea that we are going to do our clients work for them is where we set ourselves up to fail, to recognize that restaurants every single day open their doors and they give their best food out there. And some people are going to love it. And some people are going to say not enough salt. Some people are going to gobble it up and say too salty. Some people are going to say too noisy. The acoustics, the this. All you have to do is spend like a day or an hour on Yelp and reading reviews and recognize the specificity to which it takes to please people, you will see that you are setting yourself up on an endless loop to always fail, to always disappoint as soon as you are putting your worth and your self-perception on the client. But what you do want to do when people are not being successful, when they're not making their goals, when they've invested in your product, and they're not seeing an ROI, and they're not seeing the transformation, I do think that the first thing we do is look inward. We do a checks and balances. What did my sales page say? What did my sale offering say? What was I selling? And when I look at what I've been offering, have I provided content that meets those goals? Do the checks and balances, because I do think sometimes we create these service offerings and they are a little too pie in the sky. They're not specific enough. They're not dialed in and laser focused enough. So sometimes we do take a left in our content delivery when we should have gone right. And it's always good to use that as a learning experience to see where we can. You know, get better. You know, for example, a friend of mine recently held an event um, for her um, her community, and all of these things went wrong that interfered with the amount of content she wanted to deliver. There was a lot of time delay, a lot of things that didn't, you know, start and end on time, and as a result, she didn't complete all of the training and all of the information that she wanted to. So after the event, she reached out one by one to people and said, "Hey, you signed up for this and I had promised that I was going to deliver A, B, and C. I only got to A and B. I'm so sorry. Let me make it up to you. And this is my plan going forward for how to get you the content regarding C. That way we're doing the checks and balances. We're seeing where we didn't measure up and we're making a plan to fix it. So then we can move on, let go and release it. But if we don't do that and we keep trying to over deliver and say, wow, I didn't do this right. I didn't do that right, then the client is only going to get bogged down with, you know, needless information, and it's not going to move the needle. But the other piece of this too, is that you are not in control of how much work your client is doing. And that's the mistake I think I made a lot as a therapist. I think it's actually one of the things that overall contributed to my burnout. I've looked at a lot of things because I was incredibly talented as a mental health therapist. I was very Very good at working with trauma. So to get to a point where I had this skill and this talent and I simply didn't want to do it anymore, I have spent a lot of time looking at what led up to that and what I could have done to avoid it. And you know, what can I teach and offer people as a warning sign and as a lesson so that what happened to me and what I ended up experiencing doesn't happen to you know have to happen to other people. And one of the things that really came down to it is I started, you know, in over over-investing in the outcome, in deciding that people needed to get better, people needed to see the light of day, when in reality, when I like took the steps back and I looked at my business from a, a wider lens, I could see that people actually didn't want to change sometimes. They wanted to come into my office, they wanted to vent about their problems, they wanted to talk about their poor me scenarios, but then in doing that, they experienced the release, right? because that's what we've been talking about this week, they've taken the feelings, all all of their grossness, and they put it in my lap and said, Here, you hold it. Thanks so much, Heather. I feel better now. And they were wandering away without ever doing anything different to create a different emotional experience and a different life satisfactory experience for themselves. So then I was left holding the bag, trying to get a different outcome rather than like really looking at the fact that, well, you know what? You didn't do the work. I showed up. I was here when I said I was. I was as present as I said I was going to be. I offered you A, B, and C as a solution. You have not done anything. Instead, you've told me all the reasons why you can't do A, why B is really hard, and C is just impossible, and you've done nothing, so of course you feel the same way. So once we do the self-inventory of what, you know, what did we what did we promise our audience? What did we promise in the sale? What have we done? How have we shown up? How did we you know, succeed in those metrics? How did we miss the mark? Then we can also honestly look at the responsibility of the client to show up for themselves, to say, hey, when I told you that in the next week I needed you to do A, B, and C, when I gave you this course content and I told you in the introduction it was going to take this amount of time, when I gave you these worksheets, when I offered this solution, when I told you to do this exercise, you fill in the blank with whatever it is you do in your life and in your business. But when you gave your clients directions, did they do the work and follow them? And when they got stuck, did they ask a question? Did they ask for help? Did they seek clarification? Or did they allow themselves to sit and struggle, blame you and put the responsibility in your lap and assume that you were going to fix it? Because a lot of people, want to be rescued and Unless you're a lifeguard, unless you're an EMT, unless you're a doctor, you are not in the business of rescuing. You are in the business of teaching pain transformation so clients can rescue themselves. You are a teacher, you're a service provider, a product you know, provider, but you are giving somebody a tool so they can solve themselves and their own pain points. And you are using that to set them up for success. And when you set yourself up to fail by doing more work for the client, the other thing you are risking is that more clients will fail because you are not holding as the business owner the big picture view of caring about everyone. The squeaky wheel is getting the... the, the grease and not everybody else. I can't even tell you how many times when I, you know, get hired as a mindset consultant for different group program offerings that I do, I you know, a lot of times the, one of the arms of my business, um, people will teach and create business strategy um, programs and then they'll hire me to help the members who were in the course participants who are doing mindset consultant. I can't even tell you how many times the people who say, well, this isn't working or I don't know about this or I'm not sure this is right, how many times the course creators then feel like those are the people that need to get their attention because those are the people who are dissatisfied rather than making sure that the people who are doing the work, who are showing up, who are, you know, doing the worksheets and following directions and asking questions are getting your energy and your time in equal measure so that they too don't start to fail. I think sometimes we as business owners run the risk of paying attention to the squeaky wheels rather than the wheels that are running smoothly. Because it's the wheels running smoothly that are going to give us the information we need to know. There are our ideal clients more often. We can look at what we did well, how they showed up, what that process was, and that's actually oftentimes what allows us to tweak. Because what'll end up happening is if somebody's asking, you know, if three different people ask the same question, then we as business owners and product providers and service providers can start to see This is something I'm not explaining very well. You heard me do that a week or so ago when I talked about, you know, somebody wrote into me and said, Heather, you use this phrase a lot, giving yourself permission. I don't know what that means. I, you know, that was like the second or third time I had gotten that email of what does giving permission mean? And the first two times I just answered the question in the email and I didn't turn it into a podcast episode. Once I got three questions on it, I was like, oh, I'm teaching a concept in my podcast that not every everybody's on board with. I'm clearly not explaining it well, because this is the third person who's asked me for clarification. And then I've gone and offered that clarification. That allows us to be quality business providers, service providers, product providers, fill in the blank with whatever it is you're offering folks, because we're using the big picture lens to look at where are we missing the mark, rather than recognizing that some people don't do the work. And I have to tell you that my observation in these programs. And when I'm talking to my clients um, who are offering people products and services and coming to me and saying, my client isn't doing the work, like I'm not sure what to do. I think the other missing piece to this conversation that's incredibly important is the number of course creators, product providers and service providers who are afraid to hold their clients accountable, who are afraid to say out loud, hey, you hired me to help you with A, B and C. To get you to A, I offered you steps one, two, and three. Can you show me where, when, and how you did those things? We're so afraid of that awkward conversation. We're so afraid of embarrassing someone, having somebody feel bad or seeming, you know, impartial or invalidating or just, you know, like kind of bratty as business owners that we don't hold accountability with the people who are hiring us. And I think we do that at our own disservice. Because first of all, we, you know, as business owners have integrity, and we have a responsibility to maintain the integrity of our product and service. And if we're not doing that, because we're letting people just not do what we say and we're not responding first PS again a reminder that's something that led to my you know my burnout and we don't want that to happen to you but also too you end up creating a watered down version of your product and that only will lead to more people failing that will only lead to a less than desirable outcome for more of a majority of your people so what you need to do in addition to backing off and sort of holding back on that rescuing instinct is you also have to be willing to use the energy created by someone's disappointment, by someone's discouragement, by someone else's fear, and turning it and using that energy to teach them and to help them by holding accountability. By saying, hey, you started with me on such and such a date. In that time, I've asked you to do A, B, and C. You did a great job with A, but I haven't seen B yet. Can you get back to me on what you've done with B? Rather than then, oh, I'm so sorry, let me just help you with A, B and C. Which so often, when you're new and running a business, you're afraid of the bad review, you're not confident in your skill set. you don't hold accountability, and you're afraid to say that on the off chance that it might be your fault. And then what ends up happening is that becomes the ingrained way that you do business when someone isn't performing at the level that they should be given wherever they are in your service delivery or product provision. So, what I want you to do is not build that habit. Don't start there with assuming it's your responsibility to fix by overcompensating and over delivering. Do the gut check. Look at what you're doing, but then be unafraid to put the responsibility back in your client's hands. And yes, just as we see in Yelp reviews, some people are not going to be happy with you. Some people are not going to like what you have to say. Some people aren't going to be aren't going to appreciate having their feet held to the fire and that's okay that's not a reason not to do it we do not run businesses out of fear of what people will say we don't let the haters and the trolls and the people who don't resonate with our vibe leave the show instead what you do in your response is you're speaking to your tribe so anybody in those moments who you're afraid of like oh my god if they read this bad review if you You know, somebody blasts me on the internet. What do I want the people who follow me and who are going to learn about me and know about me? What do I want them to know, learn, and find out about? You know, from me, my perspective, and how I manage these situations. So, what you do is you, if you do get the negative review, you say, you know what? If I want, if somebody was on the fence about hiring me, and they weren't sure about me based on this review, what would I want that person to know? And in the response to negative review or the negative blast, you speak to the people you want to hire you, your people, your people who are going to resonate with your vibe. You model for them how to stand in the face of insecurity, how to respond to criticism, and you decide as a business owner how you're going to move through the world. Because, you know, Yelp reviews... People are still opening their doors. People are still saying, I'm going to let you decide for yourself. And now me personally, I am I often use Yelp reviews to decide where I'm going. So yes, if as a business owner, you are getting a lot of negative reviews and you're getting a lot of people not completing your program and not seeing results, then yes, you have to look at yourself, your teaching style, what you're offering versus what you're delivering. But if you're getting largely good testimonials, don't be handing your power in your business is off to the squeaky wheel because that only sets you up to fail and then you end up serving that like watered down version of yourself rather than the person who's gonna be set up to set more people up for success. So that's where I leave you today. I think this is an important conversation. I know it's a little tricky to understand. So if you're trying to wrap your head around it, if there's a specific situation in your life and business that you can't quite figure out, do get in touch with me over at Heather at choose to have it all.com or if you think you need my consultancy on your program if you would like my two cents with your community your um, course students however i might be able to help and serve you and you'd like to learn more about that heather at choose to have it all is a great way to find me thanks so much for today i look forward to talking to you next time bye for now